And this morning, we're going to continue through, oh, that's my sister. Hey, sister. <laughs> Surprise. Sorry about that. Um, we're going to continue through the book of Acts this morning. And uh, this morning, we're going to talk about Jesus' power on display. Jesus' power on display. Let me pray for us one more time, and, and we'll get started this morning. King Jesus Great are you, Lord. There is none like you. You are high and lifted up, and yet you made yourself nothing, a servant, becoming obedient to the point of death that we might, sinners like me, might be forgiven of our sin. Great are you, Lord. And as we, as we look at your scripture this morning, Lord, I just I pray that you would that you would help us to see, Lord, a, a part of what of what our role is in the world in showing other people God your greatness, in showing other people God your power on display at work in and through us. And so let it be, O oh Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have a Bible, let me invite you to turn to Acts chapter three. Acts chapter three. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the back of the pew in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at home, we invite you to take that home with you. That's our gift to you. So we're, we're, we're walking through the book of Acts, and we saw how the early church started off with a bang, right? Um, uh, the, the Holy Spirit descended upon them in, in, in fire and, and, and with the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and uh, they spoke in unlearned languages, and uh, 2,000 people got saved on the spot as Peter proclaimed the gospel, and, and I mean, and he... He laid it on them, you know. He was like, look, you know, Jesus did all these miraculous things. You killed him. You crucified him by the hands of unjust men. And, and, but God has vindicated him by raising him from the dead. And so now, the, for the, what must you do to be saved? Well, here's what you must do. You must repent and believe the gospel and be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, and 2,000 people got saved, all right? So the, the, the church started off with a bang, and now... In our passage today, we see that Luke is continuing to demonstrate Jesus' power through the Spirit at work in his earliest followers, okay? Uh, and he's beginning to show how a ragtag band of Spirit-filled Christians would become a force that would literally change the shape of human history. But it had to begin first in Jerusalem, because that's what Jesus said. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so, apart from the, the, the speaking in tongues at Pentecost, we have here the first miracle in the book of Acts. And another opportunity, another uh, occasion for the bold proclamation of the gospel that God's going to use to stir people's faith in Christ as they see Jesus' power on display, uh, undeniably so, uh, in the life of a man who was born lame from birth. And there's a lesson for us here, I believe, about how we can help others and, and how in doing so we can help the world come to know Jesus Christ. As we see Jesus' power on display. If you're able and willing, let me invite you to stand and honor the reading of God's Word. We're going to read from Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And the man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, 
to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people who saw him walking and praising God, uh, all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The word of God. You may be seated. So, three lessons, I think, from this passage this morning. Number one, give them what you have. Give them what you have. Number two, take them by the hand. Take them by the hand. And number three, give Jesus all the glory. Give Jesus all the glory. So give them what you have, take them by the hand, and give Jesus all the glory. A blueprint, if you will, a path, if you will, for, for helping others toward Jesus Christ. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is give them what you have. Give them what you have. So we get a glimpse here in our passage today about what Peter, about what Luke wrote about generally in Acts Chapter 2, verse 43. In fact, you could just look there real quick in verse 43, right? It was saying, uh, Luke was giving the description of the life of the early church, right? And he says that all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, right? So we see an example here of what Luke described in a general way there. That all was coming upon every soul and that many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And this is one specific example of that, right? So Peter and John were getting, uh, were, they were going to the temple at the hour of prayer at the ninth hour, which would have been roughly uh, around 3 p.m. in the afternoon, okay? And so uh, the, the Jews, according to the law of Moses, the Jews had uh, two daily offerings that they offered in the temple, a morning and an evening offering, which, which in reality ended up being um, around uh, 9 a.m. and 3 p.m., Okay. And so at that time of the offering, that, that time became times that the Jews would gather together for prayer uh, in the temple courts, okay? So they're not doing anything new or unusual there. In fact, they're probably headed to Solomon's portico, uh, as, we, as we see uh, in verse 11, which we didn't quite get to there, but that's where the, the earliest Christians seemed to gather in the temple mount um, to, to pray together and to meet together, okay? So that's probably where they were headed. They were gathering together with other believers to, at the hour of prayer, to pray together, okay? But on the way, they pass a man who has been lame from birth, all right? And we know from, this is a long account, actually, because a lot of stuff happens as a result of this healing, all right? But later on, in chapter 4, verse 22, we find out that this man who, uh, who has been lame from birth was more than 40 years old, and so most likely what this means is this man has been begging for a long time. He's over 40 years old. He was lame from birth, all right? So unable to work in gainful employment, all right? Um, the only way, really, that at this time that he could help support himself and be less of a burden to his family was be to beg for support, all right? So he had been begging for a long time, apparently, because most of the people on the Temple Mount, apparently recognized him, right? So, they, so many people had probably seen him who knows how many times 
uh, and probably have given him, given him money, who knows how many times, right, to, to help him out, right? And so uh, they've probably seen him. Peter, in, in fact, probably has passed this man before. But this time, something is different because he's asking to receive alms, as he did from all passers-by. But when Peter looked at him, something was different. Now, now we don't know for sure. Um, maybe our best guess is to say that maybe just the Holy Spirit at that moment, just maybe when Peter looked at him, the Holy Spirit in Peter's heart this time just said, just spoke to his heart and said, I want to do something with this man right here. And so Peter looks at this man and stops and, uh, and, and gets his attention, right? And so the man looks at him, all right, and, and, and then and Peter works this miracle, okay? So maybe just something happened in Peter's heart that, that he just knew that when the name of Jesus would exit his lips, this man would, would hear that name and believe and trust and be made not just physically but spiritually well, and so if you think about it, if you put your man in these, in his, if you put yourself in this man's shoes, right, uh, this day is beyond all this, all this man's wildest dreams, right? He was begging, two guys stopped and get his attention. He was looking for a few small coins, but get this, Peter and John didn't even have that. So I just want, you, I just want to pause and like think about that for a second, all right? The two greatest men, just about, in the kingdom of heaven, and they don't have two dimes to their name. That's interesting, isn't it? They don't, have, they don't have any money. They don't have anything to give them, right? Two of the greatest men in the kingdom of heaven, they didn't have a dime on them, right? What's the point? The point is, is that you don't need money to be great in God's eyes. And you don't need money for God to use you. That's what he means, right? That's, or that's, one exa- that's one thing we can draw from this passage, right? If you have Jesus Christ and you have the, the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, you have infinitely more to give than all the money in the world, right? So in other words, give them what you have, give them Jesus. Give them what you have. Give people Jesus. This is a call from the example of Peter and John to keep our eyes open to those that are around us and to to see the needs that people that we might have passed by a hundred times and to be walking in the fullness and in sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, God just might let us see people in a whole new light. Maybe someone we've seen dozens, hundreds of times before, but this day we look at them and we see something different. And God's Spirit works in our hearts and shows us a way that we can help this person, a way that we can give them Jesus. All right? So if you have Jesus, you have all that you need to help anybody in the greatest way possible. And sometimes it's just to get their attention, look them in the eyes, and with love and compassion, and just say, there's hope. There's a difference that Jesus Christ can make in your life. There is more to this life. There is beauty and wonder and glory and forgiveness and transformation and meaning uh, that can turn your life upside down for the eternal good that comes through Jesus Christ. We don't have to have it all, church. All we have to do is give people what we have. Give them Jesus. So number one, give them what you have. Number two, take them by the hand. Take them by the hand. It says there that um, they said, silver and gold I have none, but what? I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and so forth. 
So uh, Peter and John get this man's attention, and they say, look at us. And so, you know, so clearly he's thinking, oh, they're, they're, you know, they're about to give me something. They got my attention, you know, probably most people just walked on by. They got my attention. They're probably going to give me something, right? That's probably what he's thinking. And then, uh, <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. He was probably a little disappointed when they said, oh, well, actually, we don't have any money. <laughs> you know, whoops. You know, he's probably a little disappointed, all right? But instead of them giving him money, they give him something of infinitely greater value, right? Working legs and feet that he has never experienced in his entire life, right? And this was an example of complete and instantaneous healing and strengthening. So think about this, right? It wasn't merely that, like, some kind of imperfection that kept him from walking was healed, right? It was, it, it was more than just that, right? Because he had never actually used his legs at all. So it's not like his legs were, it's not like his legs was like broken, but they were still strong and they, they were just miraculously healed. Rather, right, it was that his legs had never worked and after 40 years, right, his legs were, uh, were atrophied, right? There was, no, there was no strength whatsoever in his legs. So even if there was some kind of deformity and that deformity was healed, he still really wouldn't have had the strength to walk unless a, 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 a miracle of another kind had taken place, right, where he was fully made strong. When I was nine years old, I was playing a family softball game, and, uh, uh, and one of my cousins, total accident, but he slid, he wasn't paying attention, and slid into my leg, and my leg was like curved out like that, all right? Broke my tibia and fibula, all right? Nine years old. My left leg is still a half inch longer than my right leg, by the way. But, um, but anyways, so... When, so I had a cast on that started at my hip and showed my toes, all right? So I had that cast on for a while, and then that cast was swapped out for a cast uh, between uh, my, my knee and my ankle, all right? So I have, this ca- I have a cast on in some form for, I think, about six months. Well, the day finally comes, and they take my cast off, all right? And so what do I do? I try to stand up, and guess what happens? I hit the ground because <laughs> my leg cannot hold my weight because it's so weak, Right? Well, that, well, think about it. This man had never walked a day in his life. So not only was whatever physical issue he had was healed, but, this, but he, he was immediately strengthened, all right? He had the physical strength to walk and jump and leap, having never done anything at all before, right? And so, so he went from never having walked to running, leaping, jumping, cartwheels, backflips, whatever, when Jesus healed him, right? So when Jesus healed this man, this man didn't leap, leap for Jesus, he jumped for Jesus, all right? Total miracle, right? This is, this is a fulfillment of what Isaiah said would happen in Isaiah chapter 35, uh, verses 5 and 6. It says there, 700 years before Jesus was born, it says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Uh, then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And so there it is right there. The lame man shall leap like a deer. And so we have this man, and he leaped up. And so, so this happened, Luke says, uh, when, Peter, when Peter took him by the hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. So what's happening here? Well, you know, if you, you, you read the Gospels, right, and most of Jesus' miracles ha- happen in relationship to faith, right? There's always some kind of relationship to faith. Now, where is faith in, in this passage? Well, it's not here explicitly, but later in chapter 3, verse 16, Peter said that the name of Christ made this man well, namely by faith in his name. 
And uh, theoretically, it could possibly mean the, the faith of the disciples, but I think most likely it's talking about the faith of the man, right? Um, when it's pretty well understood and known that like when Luke is recording something, he doesn't necessarily record like every single word that, that happens, right? He's summarizing events, right? So almost certainly when Peter and John are talking to this man, there was probably a lot more said than, than Luke records. So probably as part of that conversation, they're telling this man about Jesus, right? And it's even possible that this man, if this man had been in Jerusalem this whole time, right, it's possible that this man had, had been around and had heard people talking about Jesus or maybe had even seen Jesus pass by at some point in his life. I mean, it's possible, right? But what happens is that um, faith, this man uh, exercises faith in Christ, right? So Peter proclaims Jesus' name to this man and then re- reaches down, reaches down and begins to lift this man up, all right? So now I just want you to, again, hit the pause button and put your man in this Put, you, put yourself in this man's shoes, okay? You've been, you've been unable to walk your entire life. You've never walked your entire life. You've been, you, you, you have probably tried to get up on those feet hundreds, thousands of times just to see if maybe this time I could, they can hold me up. And they never do. They never do. And then one day, these two guys show up, and they proclaim to you the healing, healing power in the name of Jesus. And then, not only then, not only that, but then one of them starts to grab you by the hand and start to pull you up. All right? Now think about that. It would be very natural for a, a voice of unbelief to pop into this mind's head, pop into this man's head, and, and, and think, what are they doing? They're trying to pull a lame man off the ground. I can't walk. What are they doing? They're crazy, right? Why are they messing with me? All right? But, you know, if that had happened, it, you know, it wouldn't be in the Bible, right? That wouldn't be the story. But this, that's, not the story. that's not the story, right? What's the story? The story is that somewhere, somewhere between what this man knew about Jesus, what Peter and John told him about Jesus, and somewhere between the look, maybe, in Peter and John's eyes and this sincere love and compassion they seem to have for them, somewhere between all of that that's happening in this man's mind and, and somewhere in the time frame between Peter reaching down his hand and beginning to pull him off the ground, somewhere in all of that, the man says, Jesus can heal me. And in that moment, instantaneously, legs that have never walked in their entire lives become fully and completely strong like the, like the legs of a young man. And he's healed. So that by the time he's bottom on the ground to standing upright, he can jump and leap and walk and flap. It's a miracle, right? It's a miracle. It's a miracle of faith. Jesus, Jesus was going to heal this man. And Peter knew it. And then eventually that man came to know it too. And he believed and he trusted him. And, and, and I just can't help but think, and I just can't help but think that like when Peter, the, I can't help but think that the look in Peter's eyes told the man, and of course the fact that Peter actually reached down and started picking him up, right? All of that told the man, oh my gosh, this guy really believes that Jesus is going to heal me. 
So what's the point? The point is this, is that in our labors to glorify God and lead others, others to Jesus, we're going to have to take people by the hand. That is, we're going to have to show them that we really believe that Jesus can make a difference in their life. Because hear me now, right? If by, if by our words and actions, we don't show and communicate that we really believe that Jesus can make a difference in their life, why would they, why would they ever believe that Jesus can make a difference if we don't? You tracking with me? So the first step is taking them by the hand. It's seeking to lift them up to help them take that first act of faith, to help them take that first baby step of belief, to see God work on their behalf for their good and for his glory. And it also means this. It also means that to be instruments and agents of God's grace in other people's lives, we have to get personally involved. We have to get personally involved, right? Peter, like we said, it's possible. I mean, we don't know, but it's possible that they had walked by this man dozens of times, all right? And so, some, and so what that's going to mean is that we're going to have to stop and see people, right? And get their attention and reach down into people's lives. And that's, that's hard. That's, oftentimes that's hard, right? Why? Because people's lives are messy. How do I know that? Because my life is messy. Everybody's life is messy, even the ones that look shiniest on the outside, right? We come to church, and most of the time we look shiny at church. But guess what? We're all messy. But that's not the point. The point is is that God reaches down into our mess and lifts us out of it. And when God has lifted, and, and as God is lifting us out of our mess, he calls us to go and reach down into the lives of other people with the love and power of Jesus Christ. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Take someone by the hand. Lift them up in Jesus' name. And know and believe what God is able to do for them. So number one, give them what you have. Number two, take them by the hand. And then finally, number three, give Jesus all the glory. Give Jesus all the glory. It says there uh, that uh, he took him by the, 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 the hand, lifted him up. Okay, and the man leaping up stood, began to walk, entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, praising God. All the people saw him. They recognized him as the one who used to beg by the beautiful gate, uh, and uh, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. All right, so uh, there are benefits to bringing little to the table, all right? Peter and John, they had no money, all right? Sometimes we feel like, I mean, oftentimes, I feel this way, sometimes we just, we just look at things and just like, what am I doing? <laughs> What am I doing? I'm just wasting my time. I got nothing to bring here. There's, no, there's nothing that I can do in this situation. I'm bringing nothing to the table. But see, that's the thing. The consistent theme throughout Scripture, right, is that, is that that's the point, right? That when we bring nothing to the table, it becomes all the more evident that it's God who's bringing what he has to the table. And that's what Jesus, Peter and John didn't have anything to give. And so, but the good thing about that was that whatever, they, whatever they did have to give, it wasn't from them, it was from God, right? It wasn't Peter and John that healed the beggar. It was Jesus Christ who healed the beggar. So we bring nothing to the table but Jesus, but Jesus is more than enough for any situation. 
We bring nothing to the table but Jesus. But Jesus is more than enough for any situation. In fact, the less we bring, the more God gets the glory, which is why God delights in using empty-handed nobodies to do his work. As the old hymn says, um, uh, how's it go? Nothing but the, help me out, somebody. What? No, that's not it. Oh, I can't remember. Don't start illustrations. You can't finish, Chad. All right. All right. But it's like, it's like nothing to the something I bring, only to the cross I cling. All right? So, so we bring nothing, right? But Jesus brings everything, and that's the point, right? Why, why, did, why did Jesus choose mostly Galileans to be his, his apostles, right? That's very interesting because the Galileans were like the rednecks of, of the Jews, right? You know, they just, they just, people expected the least out of this group of guys. But they're the ones Jesus chose, right? Or how about, but the greatest example, one of the greatest examples, of course, is, is Moses, right? God called Moses, and Moses ended up being the greatest prophet of Old Testament history, right? Um, but if you go back to when God first initially called Moses, all right, all Moses could think about was what he lacked. For example, in, in Exodus 3.10, it says, come, uh, God talking to Moses. Come, I'll send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Uh, and then in 4.1, it says, Moses answered, behold, they, w- they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. But Moses said, uh, but Moses said to the Lord, verse 10, uh, uh, verse 10, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, uh, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. And then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, Lord, please send someone else. And then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. He's coming out to meet you, and so on. So in other words, God got mad because Moses kept giving excuses for why God couldn't use him. Guys, look, don't tell God what he can and can't do. If God wants to use you, then just say, okay, I'll do it. Cause, cause, because that's the thing, right? Uh, God wanted to use Moses in a mighty way, and all Moses could think to do was tell God all the reasons God couldn't do it. That is the classic human error of missing the point. Because, because, the, yeah, no, yeah, God, does, God doesn't need us. We, God, God, doesn't have to, God doesn't have to use us at all. But, the, but, the, but, the, but that brute fact tells us that if God wants to use us, then your human weaknesses aren't going to be a problem from God using you. Paul put it this way. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he said, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring the nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Right? So, so we bring nothing to the table, and in fact, Paul says God actually planned it that way, right? God actually delights to use the weak and the lowly because he basically tells the Corinthians, hey guys, look around the room. How many of you are rich? How many of you come from noble birth, you know, noble families? 
All right? How many of you are powerful? Not many, but that's the whole point, right? Because, because the point is to show that God's kingdom works differently than the kingdoms of the world, right? Human kingdoms care about how much money you have, what position in society you are, who your family are. But the kingdom of God doesn't work like that. The kingdom of God says, trust in me, and I have everything that you need. And all this so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. If we bring something to the table, we can say, oh, yeah, you know, uh, you know God was able to use me because look at how wonderful I am. God ain't interested in all that. We bring nothing to the table because only God gets the glory for it. So everything we do as believers, we have to point back to Jesus. Why? Because we don't have a single thing we haven't received first from God. We don't have a single thing we haven't received first from God. Everything's a gift. So all we have to do is be faithful, right? All we have to do is seek to honor God with clean hands and a pure heart. It doesn't, we, we, just, we just trust, we just obey, right? We just, we just, like Isaiah, right? And God is calling out, who will go for us and whom shall I send? And Isaiah just stands there and is like, here I am, send me, right? Here I am, send me. Because, because again, again, it's not about us, it's about what God can do through us, right? So, so, how do we, so how do we do this? How do we help people and point people to Jesus? Well, we do these three things. We give them what we have. We take them by the hand. And we give Jesus all the glory. And when we do that, there's no limit to what God can do through you and through his church. Let's pray together. King Jesus, Lord, um, we're, we're, we're all here today because at some point... In our lives, somebody gave us Jesus. They gave us what they have. Somebody took us by the hand, Lord, and then they gave all the glory to you. And so, Lord, we have the privilege, God, to stand now in the long line of your faithful servants, in the long line of, of men and women, just like Moses, God, who, who, who we, can, we can say, Lord, I got this problem. I got this weakness. I got this deficiency. Lord, I got all these things, Lord. And we, we can stand in the long line of all these people with all these problems, and yet you can, and yet you say to us as you said to them, that's not going to stop me from using you. And so, Lord, make us willing servants this day. Lord, help us throw all of our excuses out the window today. Help us throw out all of our excuses that we would give for why you can't use us to point somebody to Jesus. Let us throw them out the window. And, and look people in the eye, give them what we have, take them by the hand, and give all the glory to you. And Lord, maybe there's someone in this room, and they, they haven't yet had that experience that that beggar had between, between sitting on the ground and standing on his feet. Maybe they haven't had that moment yet where they just knew, Lord, that you're there. And that you care. And that you can intervene in whatever's going on in their life. But I pray maybe now, maybe right now, that moment is happening. God, that, that your spirit, that, that this church at this moment is taking them by the hand. Lord, lifting them up. And they can see, Lord, maybe for the first time, that you're able to be all that you need to, them to be. All that, all that you need all that they need you to be in. And so I pray, Lord, that if that's happening, Lord, 
May, they, may their hearts cry out to you in faith this morning. In trust, in repentance, in surrender. Find the healing and transformation, God, that only you can bring. Lord, use us for your glory. We want to give it all to you. In Christ's name we pray.